Hi, I'm Brian Glenn, and this is episode three of the Life Adds Up podcast. So uh, today, I really wanted to chat about finding the right questions to ask. Um, I think it's super important for anybody, uh, no matter what profession you're in, what you intend on doing, whether you're in school, etc., to find the right questions to ask. It will change your trajectory by asking the right questions. So uh, let me give you an example. Uh, I think the best basketball player of all time is Michael Jordan. Um, and so I wrote out a couple things that I thought that maybe I could make an argument around of why. Um, and I'm not going to use a bunch of statistics and all those sorts of things, uh, although there are plenty of them to back that up. But when I think about him, to summarize, he was exciting, dependable. He wasn't always out, wasn't always hurt. Uh, he rose to the occasion. He beat the legends of his time. When he was playing, he beat the guys who had won championship after championship, whether that's the Pistons, the Lakers, the Celtics. Um, he beat them. So why was he so determined to be great? These are all questions. Notice the questions that I'm asking about who is the basketball uh, best basketball player of all time. Uh, he got cut from his high school basketball team. So one could say he probably wanted to earn respect, and he always had a chip on his shoulder. Uh, and he worked hard for everything he received. Um, he probably felt as if, why not me? Why can't I be the best? These are things that he's telling himself. Um, I've watched a lot of interviews with Michael Jordan. If you haven't seen um, uh, The Last Dance, uh, I highly recommend it. It was super entertaining and interesting from a number of perspectives. Um, but at any rate, how did he become great? I already touched on this, beating the greatest teams at the time, uh, winning three championships in a row twice. Uh, he worked harder than everyone else. First person in the gym, last person to leave. You always hear those types of um, things about people, but it's actually true in this case. Uh, he improved some part of his skill or his game every year. That was something that I picked up on. I remember hearing him early on, especially going against the Detroit Pistons and struggling to beat the Pistons. And he talked about not being in physical enough shape and getting beat up by them all the time. So um, he picked up weight and he was known as a jumper. He later evolved his game. So uh, every year he was adding new things to his skill set. I think there's something to be learned, um, to learn from that, uh, about always constantly growing your skill set. But uh, these are questions that can help us understand who the best basketball player of all time is. Again, this is not a de real debate about who's the best and laying out who hit more free throws or something like that. This is literally just about asking the question, who's the greatest of all time? And then digging down deep into saying, why do I believe that? Um, these types of questions will help us unpack things in our own lives. So, uh, kind of putting a bow on this, within those questions are other questions, like, how did he outwork everyone? Um, he worked out multiple times a day, something that's not uncommon now. He mastered certain moves. Uh, that right there is something that I don't really think people understand. Mastery is very very underrated. Mastery puts you in a position where you get to dominate. He 
mastered the fadeaway, just mastered it. And again, he was known as a jumping out of the gym dunk, uh, dunk contest champion. And at the end of his career, he was known for posting up, free throw in, and making wonderful fadeaway shots in clutch moments. That was what he's known for. I mean, he's hit plenty of three-pointers. He's hit you know, uh, line drives, all types of shots. But he was known for that fadeaway at the end of his career. Same way he was known for you know, dunking all over people, etc. But notice how he evolved as a player because he could not continue to jump over everybody, jump out of the gym. So evolution and change is the necessary thing to do and ask, uh, how did he become the best player? Because he, he evolved as his body changed, as the game changed, etc. So, uh, so the answers you seek depend upon the questions that you ask. If the question was, who won the most champions uh, championships, that's not Michael Jordan. Uh, if the question was, who transformed the sport of basketball so that now it's an international game, that's Michael Jordan. His shoes still outsell any current players um, or any past players. His, he has a brand all unto himself, the Jordan brand, um, most successful in history. And now common questions people have. Uh, I, this is kind of the meat and potatoes of what I wanted to get to. Things like, how do I lose weight? Or how do I make more money? These are two common questions that I believe people are asking themselves. So let's start with the first one. How do I make more money? That question can only be answered by adding more value. It's that simple. To some people, that means working more hours because they can add more value by working more hours, meaning trading their time for more money. Uh, but there is another way, and that is by having better skills. If you're a security guard, you can work extra hours and earn more money. Now, the question is, how do I add the most value possible? That's a different equation. So some CEOs play golf for more than 50% of their time. I forget I was reading a book and it kind of cataloged some of the um, CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies. And it found that um, I think on average, uh, many of them played, uh, I forget, I want to say 100 games a year. That's a lot of tea time. That's a lot of time out on the course when you're supposed to be making decisions. Um, but they aren't getting paid for logging hours. They're not getting paid for being there and picking up boxes. They're in the office sometimes making a few phone calls, meeting with people, photo ops, having interviews, talking to folks. They need to maximize values, uh, maximize value for the owners. That's their job. So if they bring value to the owners, they're doing a good job. If that doesn't happen, they won't be CEO for long. So nobody micromanages the CEO of Apple or Microsoft because people or Walmart, people understand that these CEOs are solely focused on bringing value to all the stakeholders. So nobody has to stay on top of them because they know that their job is quite measurable from uh, other statistics. So what does this have to do with you? These folks are reading books. These folks are playing golf, meeting with people, leisure, relaxation. I think the president, to be quite fair, 
President Trump, President Biden, even President Obama, this is the first time I really have seen them keep track of uh, logs and talk really to the public about vacation time with presidents, but all of them spent significant time vacationing and going to other places constantly out of the office. Um, with the current president, um, I believe he, he goes to Delaware. I mean, almost every weekend he's going back to Delaware. And so um, why, why am I bringing this up? Because again, adding value is not the same as logging hours. So, uh, and logging hours in the way that you think uh, on the clock. So, uh, they aren't paid directly for reading these books. They aren't paid directly for uh, going to play golf. What they're trying to do is create relationships and establish themselves in such a way that they're uh, upskilling. They are constantly upgrading their skills. So a good question you must ask is, if you want to make more money, how can you add more value to your organization? Then you will eventually discover that you must first upgrade your own skills and mindset. You will need some ability, but your mindset can help you overcome almost any talent shortcomings. So uh, context reduces bias. Asking the right questions means searching or exposing yourself to more information. Not all information is actionable, but it can be useful. So I put all of that together because so many times in life, we're chasing after the carrot. So uh, this analogy of the carrot and the stick, people are either incentivized by punishment or incentivized by some reward, right? That's the way people look at this. And so if you need a stick, that means you need to constantly beat to do the right thing. Or if you constantly need a carrot, you need somebody to always offer you something before you do what you need to do. Neither one of these are ideal. But what I'd like to do is just, just kind of bring up the fact that as a human being, you have to ask yourself, why don't other people have what you have? Why is it that other people aren't successful on the level? So, for instance, I was talking to my daughter about a car. She wants to, she's 13 now, and she's talking about cars for some reason. Um, I guess she thinks that, you know, when she turns 16, that it's the jig is up. Uh, I can drive and I can do what I want to do, et cetera. And so, idea of I can just go hang out with my friends all day. So, I start going down that line. I said, okay, well, how are you going to get a car? Well, of course, she expects, expects us to just buy her a car. So I said, ah, I don't really think that's going to happen like that. I mean, I don't mind contributing to you having a car, but I'd like you to understand the hard work that it takes for people to have a car because you will appreciate it differently when you have to earn it versus if it's given to you. That's a fact of life. Things that you bought and paid for are treated differently than the things that were just handed to you unless and until you really value uh, hard work, then you really don't, um, are not able to uh, really appreciate how things come to pass. So, uh, back to the car. So, she's been pointing out cars, and I say, well, how much do you think that car costs? Well, uh, I don't know. I don't know. 
Okay, well, she pointed out a car. I said, even for a used version of that car, that's at least $15,000 because uh, you want something with decent miles on it so it's not breaking down all the time. You need it to be reliable. So how are you going to earn, let's say, half of that? Say me and mommy put down uh, half and you have to pay the other half. That means you have to come up with $7,500. How are you going to do that? Okay, you're going to work a job. Well, let's do the math on minimum wage because that's what you're likely going to be earning when you first start working. And let's see how you get from $0 to $7,500. Well, we did some calculations and figured out really quickly that because she'll be in school, in high school, and only able to work 20 hours a week probably, if that, her take-home pay would not be more than around $200 a week after taxes. So 200 times four is $800. $800 gets us to $7,500 and what, 11, 12 months, something like that. So that's working a year straight at minimum wage. That's if you don't spend a dollar on anything else. That's me, you not going out with your friends. That's including if we continue to take you back and forth to work without charging you for gas money or if you have to pay your own Uber ride, if we're not there to take you, that's that's not accounting for that. Are you willing to work for over a year and sacrifice and not have any of these other things to get this car? Because if you are, then you have a shot. But if you're not, then you might want to be looking for another car. The questions that you ask can change how you look at things. So now my daughter sees a car and now she can immediately say, hmm, how can I add enough value to take possession of this car? That's something she has to think about. And so the same thing is true of anything because why don't other people have that car? Well, they have other life circumstances and things happen and they're not able to save for a year straight and dedicate all of their money to that. So guess what? They have to ride the bus. They have to jump in an Uber. They don't have their own vehicle. So why? Uh, what is going to separate you from the setbacks that these people have suffered? What is going to separate you? What's going to make you different? That's why I can appreciate Michael Jordan. That's why I can appreciate Kobe Bryant. I can appreciate folks like that who have dedicated and sacrificed to such a way that they are in a class by themselves because they were willing to do something that other people weren't willing to do. They sacrificed a tremendous amount. Everybody's not willing to do that. Same thing is true about great CEOs of, of, and founders of companies. Not everybody could have started Apple and built Apple to what it is today. Not everybody could have built Microsoft to what it is today. Bill Gates, um, for all of his shortcomings, has built a phenomenal company and a great thing for society. There are a lot of large companies now that I don't think are good for society. I don't believe that a lot of the social media companies are good for society. Again, now going down that same rabbit hole of asking the questions, is social media inherently good or bad? It's neither. Okay, It's nebulous. However, when you ask yourself, what are the trade-offs with social media, you have to ask yourself, what are these social media companies doing? Well, some of it 
is not good from the perspective of it's hooking young children to something that makes them dependent upon it, where they feel mm, low self-esteem or they feel less than because of what they're interacting with online. Constant um, bullying, attacks, and I don't even really like using the word bullying, but just a constant onslaught of ideas and things pointed at them to grab their attention and to steer them in a direction. And people can pay for that. People can pay to target you to get you to see something. That's that that for children, they have no way to combat that. So they're constantly seeing images, they're constantly seeing things that other people are willing to pay to get them to see. Okay, so again, uh, kind of didn't want to go down that rabbit hole of um, social media, but just talking about uh, companies, whether they're good, bad, what it takes to bring something to pass. And so at this point, I'd like to transition really quickly and talk about something a little bit differently um, in asking questions. Figuring out how to talk to other people and communicate. Uh, I watched an interview recently of the Antonio Brown um, and a guy I like listening to, Patrick Bet David, on his podcast. Uh, Antonio Brown, to me, has um, what I think a lot of people in this country is, is a bunch of information and no context. Or they know how to what they believe, and they fail to have the nuance of opinion and idea in communicating that. So very high-profile people are often misunderstood, which is why they don't do a lot of interviews, which is why they stay back out of the limelight. So as I listened to him talk, it was um, really clear to me that this is a passionate individual about certain topics, and he doesn't appreciate when people comment on him, so he goes out of his way not to comment on other people. I appreciate that from this perspective. There are too many people talking about stuff they have no clue about. Conjecture, just talking randomly, reaction videos, and just trash, having no clue, they have no first-hand knowledge, they don't know anybody involved with it. They, they don't even understand any of the players or what's going on, but yet they have so much commentary. And that's a dangerous thing because as these thoughts and these people's audience hear these things, they repeat these and they take that and internalize it. And then they believe they know something that they don't know because of somebody else's opinion. So, I really respect that, um, that Antonio Brown did that. I think more people need to have um, reservations about just openly common, uh, commenting or talking about things that they have no business talking about. It's, it's just not. Uh, one of the interviewers tried to repeatedly ask him about Kanye West. He's like, I'm not Kanye West's spokesperson. Yeah, but you work with Kanye at the Donda Academy. And he says, yep. And I work with him, and we're trying to help kids. Um, what he said is what he said. You can ask him about what he said. 
And that's that. I am not his apologist. Uh, and I, I really admire that he was able to do that. However, how you do that dance is needs to be nuanced and it doesn't always need to be brash. Uh, and uh, I, I think he's um, very misunderstood. Um, the same way, again, if you listen to Kanye, as great as his music has been um, over the years, or his clothing company, his, his um, shoe deal, all the things that have been taken away from him recently, as great as those things were at one point, uh, he struggles with communication. It's that simple. He's accustomed to being able to take a song and to take it uh, for weeks, months at a time, analyze it, listen to it, feel it, and test it, and then release it. It's a whole different story sitting and talking with somebody and just saying something, and it's like, mm, maybe he didn't mean it that way. But he's trying his best to communicate, but that isn't his primary communication mechanism. That isn't his art form, so to speak, sitting down doing long interview. So um, at any rate, I kind of wanted to bring that up just because I thought that was interesting. So uh, I'm going to keep it short, getting ready and getting prepared for um, some interviews that I believe that you guys might like. Um, I'm going to have a couple of different people uh, talking about things from different angles, uh, specifically one in the criminal justice system um, I, I, I really would value. So um, you all uh, may know background from Chicago. Um, and so uh, we have some folks that are coming in uh, from the University of Chicago who's going to talk a little bit about uh, the exoneration project and uh, about the things that they've done to help folks get out of jail who were wrongfully incarcerated and just a real deep dive on politicians and their interactions with them and things of that nature. So at any rate, really thank you for this. I hope that you enjoyed this. Uh, you get an opportunity, like this video, subscribe to the channel and share this video. So keep your eyes open for the next one because I'll be popping these out and I'm going to chop up some of the other videos into shorts because I want a little longer uh, to make it digestible so everybody's able to get something out of this. So Thank you. Look forward to talking to you soon. Bye-bye. If you like this video, please consider subscribing to the channel. Also, like it, share it, tell others about it, and stay tuned so that you can get more notifications about upcoming videos.